Today, I'm going to wrap up this God's plan series we've been looking at this month. I wonder, as we've been talking about God's plan, whether you've sensed God leading you to start something new, to start maybe in a new direction. It might be to start some formal education. It might be to start over in a relationship that you lost trust in. It might be to start a recovery program because you've tried for so long to overcome your addiction and you just cannot. It might be to start a new job, start a new ministry, start tithing, start a life group, start some type of business. Well, I'm going to start by saying a couple of things this morning that seem obvious, but they are true. The challenge is for so many people, it's often the start that stops them. You know, we we see today the before and after shots, like she weighed 100 kilos and now she weighs 80 kilos. We, We love her and we hate her. We don't know how she did it. We want to do that, but we don't know how to get there. We don't even know where to start. It's the start that stops us. Again, this seems obvious, but it's important. We never, ever finish something that we don't start. For for the final week of this God's Plan series, I'm praying that God will give some of you the faith to start in a direction that will change the course of your life. We're going to look at Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. So basically, God told his people, I want you to obey and I want you to worship me. And unfortunately, they didn't obey and they didn't worship God. And so God allowed the Babylonians to come in and to destroy and demolish everything that mattered to the people. The Babylonians wiped out the temple. They destroyed the wall. They burnt most of the city and God's people were taken into captivity. So 140 years later, 140 years, a remnant goes back to their homeland to say, we need to try to rebuild this. They're discouraged. They're embarrassed. They're humiliated and things aren't going anywhere. And then God gives one man a man named Nehemiah, what I'm going to call a divine burden. He looks on even from another city and just says, you know what? This is not okay with me. This is God's place. We're God's people. We're not going to allow this anymore. As long as I'm alive, I'm not going to stand for this. I love that phrase, divine burden. Some of you, you have one and maybe you don't even know it. There's something in your life when you look at on, you think I'm not okay with that. Because I'm a Jesus follower and because of the heart of God, I can't sit by and let some injustice prevail. There may be something in your life where you look and say, somebody's got to do something about this. And at some point you think, well, it might as well be me. You see, your divine burden often reveals God's plan. Your divine burden, that, that which your heart aches on behalf of God, often reveals something that God wants you to do. I don't know what it might be for you. In my late teens and early 20s, I served at the Red Shield Kids Camps and I was exposed to such disadvantage and hardship and injustice that I just knew I had to do more with my life than just show up for a week, one week a year with these kids. And that discontent, that burden led me to ask God, is there something more you want me to be doing? I have friends who saw the great need in the foster system and they already had three kids, but they thought we can help. There's a burden and we can be part of the solution. Somebody's got to do something about this. I can't foster all of them, but we can foster one. This is what happened to Nehemiah. He had that kind of Popeye moment. You know Popeye? You might recognise the photo. You know the line he says, it's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. And he eats a spinach and he destroys the bad guy. Well, maybe for some of you, you're having a bit of a moment like that. You're going to eat your spinach and say, I can't take it anymore. Somebody needs to do something about this and it might as well be me. Divine burden often reveals divine direction, God's plan. 
So what do you do when you have that kind of burden? What's interesting when you look at Nehemiah, he was the least likely guy to be able to build a wall. His job was a cupbearer. Now, what I want you to understand is a cupbearer is not someone who's in construction. He wasn't qualified to build a wall. He wasn't a general contractor. Cupbearers, their job was basically to taste the wine before giving it to the king. And you might think, well, that's a pretty nice job to test the quality of the wine. No, it was actually to see if the wine was poisoned. So if the cupbearer is dead, it's a good indication to the king probably shouldn't take that wine. That was his job. So here's a guy that doesn't seem to be prepared at all, has this burden wondering, who am I to do something about this? Who am I? I don't seem to be prepared. But when God gives a burden and he gives it to us because he trusts us to do something about it, what do we do? What do you do when God starts to use a burden to take you in a new direction? Well, for Nehemiah, the first thing he did was he took it to God. Nehemiah took this burden to God. He got down on his knees and he prayed this powerful prayer. I'll kind of summarise it for you, but you can read it in its entirety in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. The high points, he says, Lord, God of heaven, great and awesome God, let your ear be attentive to the cries of my heart. Hear me, God. I confess our sins, including my own God. We've acted wickedly towards you, but remember the promises you gave your people, God, and grant your servant success as I go before the king today. So what's the first thing you do when your burden starts moving you in a direction? You take it before God in prayer. God, give me favour. So Nehemiah takes it to God, but then he gets support. Nehemiah gets support. He goes before the king and says, I know this sounds crazy, but would you bless me to leave where I am, Susa, and to travel 850 miles to Jerusalem and try to start a project that would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and redeem the reputation of our God amongst the nations? Would you give me this favour? And the king is moved by the heart of God and he says, yes. So we've got a divine burden. We take it to God. We get support and then we start, which brings us to the question, how do we, as Jesus followers with the divine burden, how do we start something big? Now, let me qualify big because something big for me might not be something big for you. Something big might be starting a life group. Something big might be starting a business. Something big might be changing jobs. When I talk about big, I'm talking about what God calls you to do that is significant for you and for the kingdom. How do you start something big? Because for so many people, it's the start that stops them. And we never finish something that we don't start. So thought number one, those were just two fancy little thoughts to start with. But these are my main points this morning. Thought number one, how do you start something big? You start small. How do you do something big? You start small. I love the imagery in Zechariah 4 verse 10, when the text says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of starting something small because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. To me, the perfect analogy is if, if you've ever had a kid and you've watched your kid take his or her first steps, what do you do? Well, you can be the most dignified, respectable, appropriate parent of all time. You can be a stick in the mud, boring person. And the moment your kid sort of, you know, does that drunken Frankenstein walk, you know what I'm talking about. What do you do? You're a parent. You're sitting there, but suddenly you're like, yay, right? You're, yay, you go crazy because your kid took a step. And you know what? Your kid's always going to fall when they take their first steps. But you never go, well, that was pathetic, you dumb, stupid kid. No, no, you don't do that. 
You go, get back up. Come on, take another step. Take another one. You can do it. You rejoice to see the first steps taken. Well, that's what God does whenever he gives us a divine burden that reveals a direction. And when we don't understand the details, but we have the faith to do that drunken Frankenstein, those first steps, God says, yay, you took a step in the direction I'm leading you. How do you do something big? You start small. When you think about Nehemiah, oftentimes you hear the story and you think, okay, he had a burden and then they built the wall. He had a burden and they built the wall. Well, what's interesting is if you go to the very end and trace back the small steps, it's pretty encouraging to me and hopefully to you too. At the very end, they build the wall, sure. But if you go back a step, what did they do? Well, they worked their tails off. If you go back another step, what did they do? Well, the text actually says that they worked with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other to fight off the opposition they were having. If you take another step back, they were working their tails off. If you go back another step, someone had, the, had to have the courage to put down the first stone. And you go back another step, Nehemiah is rallying the people who didn't believe it could be done. He says, fight for your brothers, fight for your sisters, fight for your children, fight for your God. He motivates the people. If you go back a step before that, you see him investigating by night, taking notes. What are we going to do? How is this actually going to work? He's preparing. And if you go back a step before that, you actually see him waiting three days. And a step before that, you see him traveling 850 miles from Susa, most likely on a donkey. That's a long trip. And if you go back, what did he have to do? He had to pack his bags. He had to pack his bags. If you want to do something big, Start small, pack your toothbrush and your deodorant, just start. Have the faith to start small. This is what Nehemiah did in chapter 2, verses 17, 17 and 18. He gathered all the chief officials around the priest and the nobles and he said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. This is his burden, you know, and he says, its gates have been burdened, burned, sorry, with fire. Watch what he does. He says, come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them all about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king said to me. And they replied saying, let us start building. So they began this good work. And what did God do? He rejoiced to see the work begin. You don't have to have the faith up front to finish. You just have to have the faith to start. You don't have to have the faith to say, I can see how we're going to rebuild the wall all the way to the end. You just have to have the faith to put down the first stone. How do you do something significant? How do you do something big? You have the faith to start small, number one. You start small. And two, you take the next step. Start small and take the next step. That's what Nehemiah did. Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. They started to have some opposition. The bad guys showed up, if you like, and they started to stop them. But when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about this, they mocked and ridiculed us. If you were here last week, you'd remember Phil talked about spirits prompting, certain uncertainty and predictable resistance. They're moving in God's direction. And then, of course, there is some resistance. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. You take the next step. You start small and you take the next step. You let God prompt you and you take a step. And then you take another step. 
Maybe the doctors have told you you need to eat healthier and lose some weight. For you, it literally might be a step on the treadmill followed by another step on the treadmill, followed by pushing the brownie away and saying no, just taking one step at a time, one kilo after another kilo. You do something significant and you feel better about yourself. It might be that you need to get out of debt. How do you do that? It just seems too big. Someone says, well, you need to have $1,000 in an emergency fund. And you think, where in the world would I come up with $1,000 for an emergency fund? Well, you decide not to go out for a meal and instead eat at home. You don't buy the $5 cup of coffee. That's hard for me. You sell something on eBay and suddenly you're $85 of the way there to your $1,000 emergency fund. It might be that, you know, God wants you to be pursuing Jesus more wholeheartedly, that you get so easily distracted by the things of this world. How do you do that? How do you more consistently seek Him? How do you become more like Christ? Well, you start small. You pick a reading plan or a book of the Bible, maybe a book in the gospel. The first thing you do when you wake up is you seek God. Then after time, maybe the next thing God might prompt you and say, well, Rebecca's always been telling me that I need to join a life group with, and plant my roots deeply in a spiritual community that would help my faith. So you do that. You sign up to a life group and then you show up and then you show up again. And next thing you know, someone might invite you to serve with them and suddenly you're this followed, fully devoted follower of Jesus. And that happened when you just had the faith to start small and then to take the next step. Don't let the start stop you. I love what St. Francis of Assisi said. He said this, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. That's what Nehemiah did. His divine burden revealed God's plan. God, give me favour as I step out to the, he asks as he steps out, he asks the king, would you grant me permission? Then he packed his bag, put the toothbrush in there, get on that donkey and take a step and another step. Wait three days, survey, rally the people, put down the first stone. You know what's miraculous is they built this wall and when people look at it, they say this might be the greatest construction project in history. They built this wall in 52 days, which according to experts is really quite a feat. We look at that project and we go, oh, cool, project completed. We did it, but not at all. For them on the other side of that was another project. Rebuild the temple, rebuild the economy, Rebuild the culture, rebuild the passion and obedience to the one true God. You see, we never truly arrive at the end of God's plan. God's plan isn't a destination, but what we do is we move in the direction that God is calling us to do. Galatians 6, 9 tells us, do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Take another step. Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you might not see it immediately, but you will see it eventually. So God, today we ask that you would inspire us, your people, to have the faith to start in the direction that you're calling us. Help us to take the next step today, we pray. God bless you all.